Australia's test squad for the tour of South Africa has been announced. And what rent and what went wrong in the ODIs? It's Monday, January twenty-two. It's time for your daily dose of sporting agenda. Your audio edition of the Fox Sports homepage, The Splash, with your host, Phil Pryor. Yeah, Australia's four test series against South Africa, which kicks off on the 1st of March. The squad has been announced. Uh, We're joined by cricket editorial lead Joe Barton today, uh, who will discuss that, plus the failed ODI series down under that we've uh, we've just uh, lost. There's still two games to go, of course, against England. We'll chat about that as well. Joe celebrating uh, the Philadelphia Eagles' victory over the Minnesota Vikings uh, in uh, that conference championship game of the NFC has just wrapped up, celebrating. Yep, fly, Eagle, fly, baby. Cheering. Super Bowl 52, (laughs) here we come. Yeah, good job, good job. Um, And, of course, as I mentioned, ODIs and uh, the test squad. We'll get to that in a moment, but first, a couple of quick headlines. Yeah, so the New England Patriots, they beat the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, to reach yet another Super Bowl, Super Bowl 52 in Minneapolis. And unfortunately for Minnesota fans, uh, the Vikings won't have their home appearance in Super Bowl 52. Philadelphia absolutely slaughtered them um, in Philadelphia in the NFC Championship game. Uh, In rugby union, the Queensland Reds have pinched Jono Lance from the Rebels. Uh, the journeyman who um, was in the Queensland uh, winning uh, squad uh, way back and also the Waratahs winning squad. So a two-time champ of Super Rugby. And England go ahead 3-0 in the ODI series down under. Joe, let's start there and then we'll get to a couple of surprise uh, test selections for South Africa. But what happened in this series? What went wrong? Um, I think... What went wrong it's, is hard to say. I think Australia probably underperformed, um, certainly in the first two games. I thought they played quite well um, in the third game. But, yeah, you just look at it. I, I, England's a very good one-day side. Um, they've they've risen up the rankings um, and in terms of their play over the past two years. Basically, since the, the 2015 World Cup, they've really changed their entire strategy, gone for very aggressive batsmen. They bat deep. And they go aggressive from the from the first ball, and you know it pays off. I mean, you looked at them, looked at the way that they chased down Australia's total. Australia put a record total up in uh, at the MCG for for the opening game, and England. I think in the end, England got there with seven balls to spare. But I mean, the result was fairly obvious. They 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 were in cruise control from about the twentieth twentieth over, just because the first ten overs they go extremely hard. Um, Jason Roy scored uh, 180 in the first test, but so first ODI. But then you look at the game three, uh, SCG, and it wasn't you know they, England were in a bit of trouble. They they were they were struggling through those middle overs, and then Josh Butler comes out, mm. gets his uh, second fifty off, you know twenty odd balls, went basically with bananas, and well that's just what this team can do. And it, it's not really I'm, I'm not look, throwing any uh, fault at the Australians because this England team is is actually really quite a quite a good ODI side and will be definitely one of the contenders, probably possibly even favourites for the World Cup uh, next year. Yeah, a, a couple of summers ago, of course, England were bundled out in the pool stages of the World Cup. What have they actually done to 
turned things around so dramatically since then. Well, that that's basically was it. That was the turning point. They looked yeah. at the, after that um, after that tournament. They were so embarrassed. It led to a coaching change. Obviously, uh, the Aussie Trevor Bayless came in, and he had quite a big strategy geared towards uh, making their one day team successful because they had the Champions Trophy, of course, uh, on home soil last year. And then next year, they've got the World Cup on home soil as well. So they didn't want to be embarrassed, basically. They didn't want to be embarrassed on their, in front of their home fans. And so they had this big strategy, um, which, which revolved around uh, kind of the, the personnel that they were picking in the teams. They, they no longer wanted to have the same guys in the test team as in the ODI team. They had specialist teams, specialist guys, guys like Jason Roy at the top of the order, um, who they know, look, you're going to go hard. You're not going to come off every time. Alex Hales bats number three now. They've got these big hitters and they bat deep and basically they know that, you know, they're not all going to fire in every game, but they know that mm-hmm. one or two of these guys goes and if Joe Root stays and plays a kind of a, a holding role where he goes pretty much a runner ball, maybe a little bit less than a runner ball, but you can't have four or five guys doing that, which is what Australia's found out because you need to have somebody going, hitting hitting, hitting the boundaries regularly and kind of hitting at a strike rate around the 120 mark. Um, and if you have three or four guys doing that, Plus your Joe Root role, then you're gonna you're gonna be hitting those 300, <clears throat> 330 targets more more regularly than not. And on flat wickets, there's almost nobody in the world who can go with uh, go with this England team. Maybe uh, maybe India might might uh, challenge that. But yeah, flat wickets with um, with these this sort of hitting, they're a very very dangerous team. Yeah, interesting. Um, and playing for pride, the Aussies this weekend, this Friday, and this Sunday in games four and five. Uh, what do they need to now focus on to uh, to win back a bit of uh, pride and, and confidence? Uh, they won the Ashes, so there's plenty of pride. <laughs> there's plenty of pride there. No, I, I think um, I wouldn't rule Australia out in the final two games, um, mainly because I thought they were quite close, really. Um, at yeah, the they S- got to within 16 runs yeah, last night. Yeah, yeah, definitely quite close. Um, they bowled a lot better. They had the it was a Full strength bowling lineup for the first time all series because obviously they rested uh, one of the quicks in the in each of the first two games. So if they go in with a full strength bowling lineup, keep Zampa. Um, hopefully they can find a way to tie down uh, England during the middle overs and don't let a guy like Joss Butler, who is a genuine freak and, and a very very good one day player, um, if they can tie them down, keep their score to under three hundred and um, yeah, just. Have a more balanced, more balanced chase. They they did get they did get quite close. They had uh, Marcus Stoinis going hard at the end. I think if Mitchell Marsh doesn't get out, he got fifty five off sixty odd. Um, if he doesn't get out and he and Stoinis are batting together for the final five to ten overs, then I think Australia's in a pretty you know pretty decent position to um to to set that target, but or to chase that target. But um yeah, I think that that'll be the key is is uh, making sure that. Another concerted bowling effort and uh, maybe a more balanced chase. Doesn't don't have Steve Smith probably needs to um, to step up a little bit. He, he was batted batted fairly well, 45 or 60 odd, um, but just a little bit too slow. I mean that's 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 too slow in the uh, in the modern game where scores of 300 are, are pretty pretty common rather than the the outliers. Yeah, uh, there's been a, a, quite a number of head scratching selection decisions this summer, of course, and we're going to uh, chat about a couple more uh, next on yeah. our agenda for today. But the Cameron White one has probably been the big failure, I suppose, uh, of the summer from a selection standpoint. Hasn't really worked this series. They didn't really know what role to put him in. He's played mm. at the top of the order and then as that kind of slogger further down the order, our colleague Jacob Karip uh, wrote about that um, and 
you know, he he was taking a spot away from an Usman Khawaja mm. or a Glenn Maxwell. Um, do they need to maybe look beyond him and um, and and to someone else even for for these last two games? Well, you, you look at, I mean, the, the, the selectors kind of hit home runs at every turn during the Test series, but mm. yeah, certainly the the ODIs have well, given that Australia hasn't been winning, they, the the selections come under sharper focus. But um, yeah, you're right, Cam White. Two uh, fairly fairly ordinary innings, um, and didn't didn't really you know couldn't hit it off the square in the first in his first game, and mm. didn't look much better at the SCG, um, as you say in different roles. So you'd say that's probably been a failure on their part. Um, if they could bring in Usman Khawaja, I think that would be um, a, a way that would definitely strengthen the the top of the order. He's he's in terrific form for the Thunder. Um, the reason why was he's kind of been left out of the ODIs. It seems like is because Steve Smith has been batting number three, and it doesn't seem like Uzi fits in anywhere else in the team. Even if he comes in second, uh, second drop doesn't quite work as as well. But um, if he, if if the number three spot's open, I think uh, Usman would would certainly make it his own if if he was given another chance. But um, yeah, maybe maybe a little shake up there could could re- revive the Aussie lineup. Let's talk, let's go to the test arena now. I will transition into that and we're going to continue obviously talking about selections because uh, there's been a couple of uh, bolters. A couple of bolters um, and one of them was sort of revealed a little bit earlier today but then the other one has come completely out of left field when Cricket Australia sent across uh, their press release uh, a short time ago um, in terms of when we're recording uh, this particular podcast. Jai Ritzett Jai Richardson, yep. uh, talk to us about this one. Yeah, well, yeah, as you said, um, Dutchy Holland got got picked the uh, well, got revealed earlier today, and that was a bit of a surprise. But Jai Richardson caught everyone by surprise. I think um, he's only got five first class games to his name. He's twenty one year old West Aussie quick, um, very talented. Uh, he made his ODI debut at the Gabba last Friday, um, and he made he looked he looked apart in in the one day format. Very. He fits the type that uh, Darren Lehman kind of likes from his fast bowlers, which is he bowls very fast. Mm-hmm. Um, Buff wants everyone bowling 140 plus, and yeah, um, yeah, Jai was regularly hitting the 145 mark, kind of nudging up closer to 147, 148. So, um, based on that, he's he's very much in the in the mould for for what Buff wants. Um, his first class record's pretty strong as well. Only the five games to go off, but he's got 21 wickets out of about 25. Um, he's more of a skiddy type bowler than than you'd see from the first the the three major guys the your Stark Hazelwood and Cummins. But um, I suppose it's it's really that pace that's kind of given him the edge over a guy like uh, Chad Sayers, who has the domestic record that every player would envy. His his record's exceptional for for South Australia, but then he's probably been the the best quick at the domestic level for the past two or three years. But he's been left out of the of the touring party, and you'd say it's probably because he bowls more in the 130 range, whereas Jai, um, maybe more of a player of the future, um, yep. is, is bowling that 10 to 15 k's faster than him. Yeah, okay, interesting. That's obviously what troubled England the most uh, mm. all summer, is that just that extra pace, and, and that's what they lacked. Yeah. Um, and But moving on to John Holland, as we mentioned, left-arm orthodox spinner, 30 years of age, just the two tests back in 2016 against Sri Lanka, um, and I, I suppose the reason this was a bit of a, a shock out of left field was that Ashton Agar, um, also a left-arm orthodox spinner, was in the Ashes squad for the Sydney test. Um, of course, 
he didn't play in that game, but um, all of a sudden Holland's jumped above the pecking order. Um, I, I've got a sort of a, a reasonable theory as to why they've included a, a left um, spinner in this squad. Do you want to hear it? Yeah, go. Hit me. All right. So I looked at the South African batting lineup and out of the top five batsmen, only one left-hander uh, being Dean Elgar at the top. Then you've got um, Aidan Markram, Hashim Amlad, AB de Villiers, Faf Duplessis, all right-handers. Mm. And uh, Nathan Lyon was much better against left-handers recently and, and historically. So do you think that maybe there's a chance that if they take one spinner into a test team, it might be Holland? <laughs> I would be stunned. But, that, but I mean, that, that's, it's, a, it's definitely an interesting theory. Um, yeah. I think given that Nathan Lyon uh, hasn't missed a test for Australia in <laughs> donkey's years and he's the singer of the he's team song. He's bowling very well, He's yeah. the singer of the team song and he took uh, more wickets than anybody else in the world last year. Um, I'd be pretty surprised if they, if they cut him loose, I think. Because three of the four grounds <laughs> in this uh, South African series are sort of, they're pace-friendly wickets and only Typically, Port Elizabeth yes. is the test where you would consider bringing in a second spinner. Yeah, I, I wouldn't expect, um, I mean... Holland getting the call up is fantastic. I'd, I'd be quite surprised if he does get a uh, test um, on this tour. It, it, I think he's pretty much there purely just in case Nathan Long gets injured. Yeah. That's that's, yeah. that's the nuts and bolts of it. I'd, I would imagine if I can't I can't envisage a scenario where they're going to take two spinners into a test, and I can't ever see him getting picked ahead of Nathan Lyon. I'd yeah, be very, yeah. very surprised. I mean, it, strange things have happened. Um, yeah, and I mean, it sounds like a, a silly question, but we didn't think Tim Payne would be playing correct. the test at the start of the summer. And Absolutely. And, there's and been a few other bolters. It's, and it's a, it's a genuinely good theory um, to, 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 you know, with the right-handers and, and that logic. Um, I just can't. Lyon's, Lyon's too, too vital uh, mm. to the kind of team ethos. Like, he, he's pretty much the lifeblood of the team. Yeah, uh, he's yeah. the driving force. He uh, leads, lifts them up in the field. When with, you know, he had the cracking run out at uh, at the Gabba and mm. brilliant return catch. Like he just does things that lift the team. I'd yeah. be very surprised. Yeah. But um, having said that, that the reason why uh, Holland I think has been picked ahead of Agar, for example, even though Agar moved, yeah. seemed to move in front of him when he was picked uh, for the SCG test. That was in a supporting role, and that's if he's not the front line spinner. You need something else, and Agar's batting would have helped him out um, when it came to potentially forcing his way if, if they were going to have two spinners at the SCG. Yeah. Whereas over here, I don't think they're going to go with two guys, uh, two spinners in any of the tests. So if you if you have uh, if you have line out, then you want your best best specialist spinner in 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 backup, and I think that is John Holland as opposed to uh, Ashton Agar. No real other surprises in the squad. Uh, you would uh, think Peter Hanscom has been named. Yeah, there's, um, there's a couple of lucky, perhaps lucky guys. Um, the, the rest, the rest, aside from those two, the rest of the thirteen are the guys who won back the Ashes. Yeah. Um, so they've, you know, there's been no first first class cricket since then. So, understandably, they've gone and rewarded the uh, the thirteen guys who did so well in the Ashes. Um, some of the, I suppose, underperformers from the Ashes. Like the likes of Bancroft, who averaged 25 through the series, and um, Peter Hanscom, who was dropped after two tests, they might consider themselves a little bit lucky. Um, I think Joe Burns was going to be called into the team um, before mm-hmm. he picked up a fairly serious uh, adductor injury, um, which sounds quite painful, but um, that that's ruled him out of the rest of the big bash 
and I think could have potentially, I think he's having scans this week, but could rule him out for the rest of the summer, um, which would definitely knock off his chances of going out to South Africa. And I think he would have been in the side had, had it not been for this injury, particularly because he can not only cover the opening spot where he last played for Australia and currently plays for Queensland, but he uh, also bats, you know, basically anywhere in the top six, you can, you can slot him in and know that he'll do a fairly good job. He's in very good form. So a uh, little bit unlucky, and I think if he had been fit, he would have been uh, among the touring party. Who would have been dropped out? I'm not sure, but yeah. um, but I think he would have definitely. As it is, Australia's only got the one backup batsman, which is Peter Hanscom at this stage. So yeah. there's a little bit, a uh, little bit of a frailty there, um, and they, I think they would like an extra, an extra batsman to to support that. But uh, yeah, Burns Burns uh, fell apart at the last minute. And South Africa's hosting India, uh, of course, at the moment. Yep. Uh, how's that all going? They're very good. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, yeah, the top two uh, top two test nations in the world, and they've produced some just wonderful cricket. It's been mm. kind of really gripping uh, gripping television to watch because um, India. I mean, India typically not very good um, in South Africa, and they haven't won a test series there ever, I believe. Um, and they yeah they tend to struggle against the the seeming ball, the moving ball. Um, and South Africa has the best pace attack in the world, and yeah. they've they've proved that they've uh, they've they've done it even with uh, Dale Stain going down with another injury. Um, they've brought through this young fella Ngidi, 21 year old, yeah. who yeah. one took six four on his test debut. <laughs> Basically, they're a, they're mm. a fairly terrifying prospect. The, it's, the a deep, it's a deep bowling attack as well because you've got uh, wicketkeeper Quinton de Kock mm. uh, batting at number six, and then it's Volander who. You know he can throw a, a bat around. Yeah, but. he's got some got some uh, very good test scores, and is yeah. is, a, is a terrific bowler uh, in those conditions. But yeah, so he's at seven, and then it's just it's just all that fire. <laughs> yeah, they got a four prong, four prong pace attack, and, yeah. and also uh, Maharaj the spinner. So yeah, they've got plenty of uh, plenty of artillery when it comes to to taking twenty wickets, and when you've got the sort of wickets that they prepare, which are yeah, typically quite green and uh, seem friendly. They're a very, very dangerous team uh, in those conditions. But, I mean, so will Australia be. Australia will go in with a very uh, very healthy uh, pace attack as well. Um, obviously did fantastically well on less forgiving wickets uh, throughout the Ashes. So I would suspect the likes of Cummins, Stark and Hazelwood will be very happy to, to see some of the, the wickets that they'll be dished up uh, mm. next uh, or, yeah, in March. Yeah, for sure. There's a, a, a warm-up game against an Invitational 11 over in South Africa on Feb 22 to 24, I believe it is. And then that first test uh, gets underway on March 1, um, and the entire series spans right across March, I think finishing in early April. Um, should be a beauty. Joe, I bet you, you're, you can't, uh, can't wait. I can't wait. I can't <laughs> wait for it. Very, um, I think it's going to be the... Very exciting series, and um, yeah, it's obviously the biggest overseas series, uh, tour that Australia has this year, and it manages to squeeze in between the end of the the T20 Tri Series and the start of the IPL, which I think starts the day after uh, this Test series wraps up. So we've got the 2020 sandwiching what I think will be one of the great Test series of, uh, of the year. South African series to look forward to, and the, your Philadelphia Eagles into the Super Bowl in a couple of weeks. Yeah, uh, I can't handle my fine. excitement. <laughs> Thanks for joining the Splash today, Joe. Thank you very much. Uh, and that'll do us on this Monday uh, cricket from go to woe. Uh, and until tomorrow on the Splash, that's a wrap.